Hey guys, welcome to episode two of Dear Black Girl. And this show was actually inspired by three things. Um, one of them was this artist I saw on Instagram that's actually based out in Harlem. He has like this dope art series that's like letters to black boys and black girls and they're like encouraging letters. Um, also, it was inspired by Justin, the creator of Dear White People. And this anthology I wrote back in college for my African-American women's rhetoric class that I recently <laughs> came across that all just came into one. Um, but a little about the show. Well, first of all, I'm your host. My name is Unique. And the show is a guest-driven show that highlights the everyday Black woman. And my guests come on. They share their stories and personal experiences, all while curating the show's playlist and each song holds like a special memory or lesson that our guests learn throughout their life. Um, the show's purpose is not only for women of color to come share their stories, but also to serve as a safe space and place for all of us. So without further ado, dear black girl, meet Marie. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> now Marie is a digital producer at WBLS. Oh. And also runs Lady Saab, which is a female-geared women empowerment law. That's <laughs> I was right. To, yep. I was trying to find the words for it. <laughs> you could say, I guess, a women empowerment lifestyle um, blog. So, <laughs> tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, um, some of you may not know, but I turned 30 last week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, you know, transitioning into a new chapter in my life. Um, like you mentioned before, I work as a digital producer for WBLS. I run my own uh, women lifestyle website. I've also contributed to DJ Enough's um, website as well. Um, I want to say, so right now with um, Lady Sav, I'm going to be honest, I've been on a hiatus. And the reason why is because I've been on this journey of trying to figure out who I am first. Um, and this journey has been quite interesting because I've been tapping into things that I never knew that I would finally open up and share with um, my, you know, loved ones, family, and even, you know, those that's been supporting me. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've tapped into so far on your journey? Um, so with... Doing what I've what I've been doing, I've been um, dealing with like insecurities, dealing with challenges, and I knew that you know it's it stemmed from my past um, dealing with uh, sexual abuse. Um, it's something I dealt with at a very young age, right before <laughs> my menstrual cycle, um, and it was you know by someone that you know, that's supposed to protect me and love me, you know, my father, actually. So um, that triggered a lot of emotions that I never knew would have existed in my life from the age of 27 to where I am now. You know, I'm I'm trying to do what I love, but I'm like, oh my God, am I good enough? Um, and I'm looking at everybody else. And here's the thing, when I see everybody else winning, there's not a jealousy trait in me but I'm just looking like, wow, and can I do what they're like? Wow. And I look at myself like I'm not good enough to achieve those goals. So I feel like I've been hindering myself 
from growing into this amazing person that I know that I can be, you know? So I have to just kind of take a, you know, because this, my, my website is about empowering women and here I am struggling with all these issues and I'm like, okay, I'm telling women they need to love themselves. I'm telling women they have to believe in their dreams and believe that they're destined to be the greatest. And here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to even happen to... But I feel like that's everyone's like internal right. journey that they face themselves. Right. And it's like, I, I posted up a tweet, that, not a tweet, an IG photo I saw the other day. And mm-hmm. it was like, all you need is like 20 seconds of courage right. to do whatever. That's right. And like to push through. To push through. And you have to surround yourself by um, people that are you know, that are doing it and, you know, but then they're taking a second to say, hey, you know, keep pushing. You got this. Like, you know, I've made it. I've gotten this far. You could do it, too. You know, so I'm very blessed um, to be placed in the position that I am now because I'm surrounded by people like you, you know, seeing my coworkers, you know, progress and doing just living in their purpose and trusting the process and seeing them win gives me the courage to say, you know what, Marie, you're being hard on yourself. Like, relax. Do what you're supposed to do and just trust God's timing and everything will fall into place. How hard is trusting the process? You know, it's very hard because what I'm realizing now at the age of 30 is that you can easily say, I trust God. (laughs) I have faith. You know, (laughs) things are going to work out. Hey, you could post all the quotes, empowering quotes in the world. But what I'm realizing is that if you don't actually believe it, you know, you don't actually let those words resonate with you and believe that it's going to manifest, then it's just words. So these words, you have to really apply it into your daily routine. You have to really, you have to really train your mind to believe that you're destined to do great things, that you will be successful, that you will achieve whatever it is that you're set to do in life. You know, so it's it's training your brain, training your mind to believe that these things will happen for you. Because after, you know, after a while you start hearing these things and you go to these panels and they're like, believe, keep working hard, never give up. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I just paid $60 to listen to this. This is redundant as hell. Like, I'm tired of hearing the same things, but you need to hear it. You need to hear those words every day because it's, it's just good for the brain. It's good for the soul. You need to hear it every day. Never give up. Those are very simple words, but you need to believe it. So... 30 is a new chapter. 30 is a new chapter. Is it... How do you feel about it? Because some people are scared and some people are welcoming that chapter. Jenny, let me tell you something. <laughs> my sisters <laughs> will tell you too and all of my friends. I cried. The last two weeks when I saw that May 14th was literally around the corner, I cried. Why? I cried because I'm just like, oh my God, like, what does this mean? 30, does this mean that I'm actually an adult and I can't make mistakes? Uh, <laughs> I start thinking about my credit. I start thinking about love, <laughs> you know, and then I'm looking at everyone around me. They're starting their new families. They're where they're, you know, where they need to be in their lives. And I'm just like, oh, my God, 30 is here, but- you know, and I feel like and, 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 and I want a big family. I want all these things. And I'm just like, will I be able to achieve it? Is it too late? Do no. I have to stop what I'm doing now and find a nine to five? Like, those are the things that were playing in my head oh god 
like the way I see it is like uh, we have two sets of 30. You have the one set of 30 when you're still, you know, like a child. Yeah. And then you have the new set of 30 where you're starting to learn how to be adult and you like set yourself up. So like the next 10 years is like, all right, I'm getting ready for my purpose, which I will find in my 40s. That's how I see 30. No, that's how you're supposed to look at it. But at that time, (laughs) everybody was speaking positivity towards me. And I'm just like, man, it's It's like the new 20, like the new 20. Because I think back in the day, 20 was like how you should feel at 30. I don't know. That's what what I got from movies. But, you know, my sisters um, and all of my friends, they surprised me with a, a 30th birthday dinner. And everyone there gifted me with a 30 survival kit, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone. And, and at that moment, I felt like, OK, it's not going to be that bad. You know what <laughs> I mean? Everyone was giving me the tools that I needed. And they said, hey, Marie, like this is this is part of the journey. This is a new chapter. You got to look at it as a new chapter and be excited for what's to come. And um I woke up the next day and I just felt this glow. Like I woke up and I looked the in the crying mirror. disappeared. The and crying all that. disappeared and I just felt I don't know pretty all of a sudden. I'm <laughs> like, okay, I'm feeling this. And everyone's asking me like, well, how do you feel? I'm like, I, it feels good. I don't know where all the worry, the hurt, all I that think stuff. Only went. girls worry about that. Yeah. Like I'm like, well, no, there's some guys that be like, shit, I'm about to be thirty. Like my shit's not together. But I feel like girls. I feel like they feel like time's ticking yeah. with them. Yeah. Like, oh shit, my bi- my biological time's ticking. My family mm-hmm. hasn't started. My mm-hmm. my life's not together. I'm not married yet. Exactly. That's it's scary. It's scary because everyone, you know, they ask me, well, Marie, uh, do you want kids? Yes, I do want kids. Um, I want a big family. Um, and they're like, and you didn't start in your twenties? What you when, when are you gonna start? <laughs> Hold on, Marie. Do you at least even have a mate? I'm like, no. They like what? And you want four kids? How is that gonna happen? I'm like, I don't it's know. It's possible. I don't it's know, possible. but it will happen. Yeah. I want my four kids. So do I. I want four kids too. <laughs> <laughs> I want a big family because I'm the oldest of six, and I just love, I just love being around my loved ones. I love being around love. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna count down your songs. Five, yes. two, one. Five to one. Okay. So give me song number five. Song number five. Well, you know, since we were talking about this new transition with me <laughs> turning 30, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Jay-Z, Forever Young. I really love that song, especially when I went to On the Run and they performed it together live. Jay-Z with and the, Beyonce performed it. And it they're was- like this. With the um, phones, y'all can't see what I'm doing. But they got the phones <laughs> in the air and it's lighting. That moment was so beautiful. Yes. And how they hugged each other at the end. It was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. And forever young, that's how I want to feel. You know, that's how I feel right now, forever young. And I feel like this is the beginning and it's time for me to really tap into the things that I say that I want to do and make them happen, make it happen. You so, know? so, what are some things you do want to accomplish? Um, I see myself. Being a um, correspondent, um, also working here at WBLS as a digital producer, um, being that I started my own website, so these things were not new to me. So it was like, okay, I want to learn the ropes. I want to learn by legends. I want to be around them and learn the ropes and learn about social media and stuff. But, you know, I've done a little uh, entertainment news on air (laughs) and I love my voice. I love how I sound. And I'm like, okay, maybe... 
just maybe, <laughs> I would want to tap into this whole radio personality thing and see where it takes me. Um, I also, with my website, my baby, I want to... I want it to be a movement. I want women, because Lady Sav, it, it derived, well, the word Lady Sav derived from the French word, um, savoir, it means to know. So the our whole slogan and everything that represents Lady Sav is a lady that knows. So I want women to walk around, you know, knowing that they're beautiful, you know, that they're great moms, you know, that they, they could be who, you know, whoever it is that they want to be. I want that to be a movement. I want people to you know, be inspired and be the best lady that they can be with everything that I'm doing with Lady Sob and so much. And it's hard, you know, when somebody asks me, well, what do you want to do? When you're in the entertainment industry, you, you, your mind is set on one thing, but then you realize like, oh, there's so many other oh, things. Shit. Yeah, I, I can be doing this. I can be doing that. So I just want to be creative. I want to be creative. I want to tap into every skill, every ability that I never knew existed. I want to see where it takes me. So I'm open to... Being a media correspondent, I'm open to radio. I'm, I'm speaking all these things over <laughs> into my the life. Universe. Yeah, speaking into the universe because it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> and Lady Sav, like, what what made you start that? Um, you know, it's crazy. Um, I, Lady Sav, I launched the site my last semester in college. Um, I had no idea that I was even going to even tap into that <laughs> industry um, because I was a, I was a nursing major and then. I went through a difficult moment in college where I lost my goddaughter um, to domestic violence. And um, so I switched my major to psychology. And then, I don't know, just out the blue, I was just talking to, with my best friend. We was talking and we wanted to do something um, different. We wanted to s start a business. And I was like, well, you know what? Let's. I, I want to start a website. And um, at that time... My good friend Blue, you know, you know Blue. Shout out to Blue Magic <laughs> Grind. <laughs> um, he was working with a DJ Enough at the time, and he was running uh, That's Enough dot com. And I was telling him, well, he was talking to my sister about it. My sister was like, you know, blog all that. No, Marie's <laughs> been talking about that lately, though. So I spoke to Blue about it, and we friends. But I think at that moment, Blue was thinking like, you're my oh. friend. You know, I'm not trying to put you. I need to know for sure if this is what you wanted to do. So he, we spoke about it, and he was like, okay, whatever. So at that time, um, the whole situation with Evelyn Lozada and Ocho Cinco happened. And when I checked the website, at the time, there was no celebrity news. So I started writing the pieces, and I would just send it to him. And I think the first one, he was like, did you write that? I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you want to do with it, but here it is. And he posted on the site, um, and he gave me credit at the bottom, and it did really well. And I would just send him stories. And I think one day enough was like, yo, who's writing? Who's who's doing all this stuff? It was like Marie. And he was like, well, just give her a username and password. <laughs> so I didn't even interview for the position or anything like that. It was just, it was just here. Girl, what you're doing is good. Don't stop. We need it. So we're going to just bring you on. So that's how it happened. And then that just gave me the push. Like, okay, if I'm doing this here, that's enough. And people are loving it. It's doing great numbers. It's time for me to start my website. So a few months later... I launched Lady Sav, um, and what I wanted to do with Lady Sav was just, you know, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted women to just feel empowered. I want women to be the best lady that they can be, and whatever, in every sense of the world, in, in every sense of the word, um, just tap into, you know, your purpose, figuring what it is, and just 
believing that, you know, it would all happen. So I just wanted to just empower women the best way that I can through my website. And um, yeah, <laughs> I took a break, but I'll be back. I'll be back. We're going to do a full uh, relaunch. We're going to rebrand everything. And I've learned so much and I just can't wait to apply all the the skills that I've learned, you know, um, I can fix the mistakes that I've made. And you know, that's what entrepreneurship is all about. You make mistakes and then you learn from it. So I don't look at it as a failure. Or hey, maybe what Michelle Obama, she said what every failure is a success in a way. Yeah. Because it's it's helping you um to get to where you need to be. So that's that's where the whole lady soft thing <laughs> <laughs> came came to uh fruition. Um, let's go to song number four. Song number four. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I want to go with SWV Week, and here's why. Growing up <laughs> in the household that we grew up in, it was very strict. Um, my parents were heavy Protestants at the time, so we were not allowed to listen to secular music. We were not allowed to turn our radios to listen to Hot 97. Or any of that stuff. We were supposed to go to church Monday. No, actually, rewind. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning. So you had to live in a church, basically. Live in a church. That's okay. it. No music. Um, you go to school, you come home, go to sleep, or it's time for church. That was it. School, church, and home. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um... With SWV, I remember one day, me and my sisters, we were like, yo, enough. Like, we want to <laughs> listen to new, we want to see, you know, we want to hear what's out there in the world, you know, and not, you know, just gospel music all the time. Although I love gospel music, but I just wanted to just hear something different. And so we sat in front of the radio, we counted down, <laughs> <laughs> and then we turned the switch on to Hot 97, and at the time, SWV was playing, and that became one of my favorite songs. And I just remember that moment, SWV week. I remember the whole words, and the next thing you know, at the time, we had, like, the tape recorders. We would record every song, so we knew every lyric, we knew every rap lyric, and... Well, my mom would come home, we would turn it off. But as soon as she went to work, <laughs> we would turn it back on again. And it was a party at the house, you know. So that's where I remember SWV from. And every time I listen to the song, I listen to the words. I'm like, yes, I remember that day. B, you remember that day? I'll tell Esther, you remember that day? Yeah, so. What is, what's that like? Like, I can't, I can't imagine, like, growing up and being like, no, like, you can't listen to this because of that reason. Like, this is all you can, like, do and listen to. It's it's um, it's um a scary feeling because I felt like, for, in that moment, though, when we switched this, you know, the station over to Hot, um, I felt like, I'm sinning? Oh. You know, I felt like, am I going to hell? Those were the little, those were stuff that I battled with growing up because we were not allowed to wear pants Makeup, um, nail polish. You had to wear like skirts and dresses all the time. I had to wear skirts time. and dresses all the time uh, to school, so they made fun of me. You know, it was just it was just a lot to deal with. But if I even mentioned wearing pants, my mom would freak out, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going to hell!" You know, so it was it was a scary feeling. But knowledge is power. Education is you know education is everything because once you start surrounding yourself with new people and you start learning about what's out there, you realize that. It's really not that big of a deal, you know? And when, you know, people are closed-minded sometimes, you know, that's 
That's just where it's at. And I'm not, you know, my parents, <sighs> look, <laughs> I don't want to you know, I don't want to say that they're closed minded, but, you know, education is is key. You know, knowledge is key. And um, it's good to just be open minded sometimes about what's out there. Just give it a try, you know, not be too judgmental about it. So, like, you know? what age did you break away from this? All right. I can't follow these rules anymore. High school. I want to say my sophomore year. When people were making fun of me, I'm like, enough. When I rebelled, got my ears pierced, my mom chased me around the house with a belt, whooped <laughs> my ass. <laughs> the day I was like, fuck it, I'm going to throw on some jeans. I went to my best friend's closet. She was like, Marie, you can have those, you can have those, you can have those. I was like, yes. <laughs> and then, you know, I started going to classes with my, you know, my pants on and some of the guys at school were like, you know, we liked you wearing the skirts, you know. We like, you know, to see your little curves and stuff. But I'm like, no, I want to wear pants. I want to fit in. I want to, you know, be like everybody else. But that was, yeah, around high school, I want to say. Sophomore year. And <laughs> just battling, like, your mom on just allowing you to be yourself and experience life as a regular American teenager. Right. It took a lot of time because my mom now, I don't even know who she is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because my youngest sister, Aisha, Aisha is rocking her weaves, you know. You know, we take her to get her nails done. She rocks her pants. She has a little more freedom. My mom takes her on, um, like, trips. My mom is chaperone, you know, for different school trips and stuff like that. So I'm like, yo, I would have loved, you know. But I guess it takes time. When, you're, when you grew up a certain way, um, it takes time. So I think... Over the years, my mom probably realized that, you know, my kids are really not as bad, you know, as I'm imagining them to be. And maybe it's not that serious and I should loosen up a bit. And I think um, she's also having fun, too. So <laughs> I guess it works for everybody. I also think, like, when you're the first child, it's like trial and error. So, like, you get the worst of the everything. Worst. The worst. And then when you look at your younger sibling, like, are you serious? Yeah. Aisha can, Aisha's spoiled. She can do whatever it is that she wants to do. And just like they have to make sure, like that the first child, like oh. I have to be successful with that child, <laughs> right? And then my mom, they, if my youngest is Aisha, she was to do something, my mom would call either me or the, you know the the oldest. Oh, I can't, I can't, I don't know what to do with her. When it was us, you know, you whipped out the belt, <laughs> you <laughs> you had us on timeout, and you don't know how to deal with with her. Oh my god, yeah, but, that sounds like my mom with my little brother. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. He's a boy. Like, right. whatever you did with me, do it. <laughs> exactly. Don't call me. That's your child. You figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But I love I love my family. So. <laughs> All right. Song number three. Song number three. Um, I would have to go with Fergie. Big Girls Don't Cry. Okay. And um, this song is very special to me because at that time, my mom was going through a transition. She was um, going through a separation. And my mom decided to just pick up everything, all of our things, and said, hey, I'm moving to Virginia, out the blue. Just woke up one day and said, I'm moving to Virginia. I'm in the middle of my classes. I was, like, in a relationship at the time. And I'm just looking like, move where? Where, where is Virginia? I've never even heard. Like, I've never been there before. <laughs> Why out of all the states? We could have moved to Maryland. We could have moved to New York. Why Virginia? And um, so my mom and my younger siblings moved, and I stayed up in Jersey, but they moved um, to Virginia. They were staying in uh, Roanoke, 
at the time. And I remember having my MySpace account and the song that was playing in the background was Fergie, Big Girls Don't Cry. And I would cry every time because I was homesick. Like, I missed my sister so much. I missed my brother. I missed my mom. I just missed being around that family uh, dynamic. You know, I was, you know, there with my boyfriend. is like, okay, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> I come home. My mom's not there. My sisters are not there. And I felt lonely. And every time I heard Big Girls Don't Cry, I would just burst into tears. So that song always brings me back to year 2007 um, with my sisters and my mom and my brothers when we parted ways for that year. But I called my mom back. I was like, look, just come get me. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) And she drove seven hours, helped me pack my things. And then we moved to Virginia and we stayed there for an extra year. So, yeah. What? Well, why didn't you originally go with your mom? Like, you wanted to stay with your boyfriend? Yeah, I wanted... I just... At that time, I wasn't here for the change, mm-hmm. you know? And But moving to Virginia was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I had time to move away from all the noise. Um, you know, being around... Because at the time, with when you're young, you're with your boyfriend, you guys feel like you need to be attached at the hip every all single time. time. Yeah. And so you don't have time to really think time to grow, time to figure out who you are as a young teenager. Um, So that transition in my life was needed because I got time to actually bond with my sisters um, and learn a lot more about them. Um, I went to college out there. I was a straight-A student out there. (laughs) There's nothing else to do. (laughs) There's nothing else to do. So I would come home, study. And here's the thing, too. You know, at the time, I was like, what? The only black girl in class. Yeah. So, and I would, I, everyone would have their assignments ready to submit. And I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Marie David, where's your homework? I didn't do it. You know, <laughs> so that feeling was like the worst feeling ever. So every night I would come home, make sure my homework, my homework assignments completed. I did all my studying. And um, just for that year alone, straight A student. My mom was like, okay, I've had enough. I don't think I could do it anymore. We all looked at each other like, yeah, we've all had enough. B, straight A. Esther, straight A. Everyone's doing good. So we started um, applying to colleges in Jersey. We all got accepted. I went, I, you know, transferred over to William Patterson. B went to Montclair State. Esther went to Rutgers. So we came back and everyone's looking like, who are y'all? Like, okay. But it was the best thing. The best move ever. And it was needed at the time. So I guess... At that be at that moment, I, you know, I wasn't here for the change. But now that I'm looking back at it, I don't regret anything. I would actually go back and do it again. <laughs> Let's talk about being the only black girl in like a white space because I know I experienced that for the first time in the fifth grade, and it's like an awkward feeling. It's an awkward feeling because one, I'm from Jersey, so the minute. I walk into class, they already knew that I was different. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm black girl, that alone, but I spoke differently. I carried myself differently. So they're like, you're not from around here. So that in itself was was awkward because <laughs> <laughs> I look like, you know, the elephant in the room pretty much. Everyone's looking at me like, where is she from and stuff. But, you know, just to see how they take education seriously down here, down there, you know, um, back where, you know, I went to school East Orange, um, East Orange Campus High, and and it's a it's a great school, but you know, we didn't really take school serious. We just wanted to have fun and party all the time, you know. But down there, um, 
education was a big deal and everyone's submitting their homeworks and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I really need to... I don't want to be the only girl, the black girl at that, not taking stuff serious, you know? So, I don't know. It, it was just... It was just different. It was different. <laughs> it was different, to say the least. And... um. And and change is good. Diversity is good. You know, I made friends out there. Um, um, I've done things. I went hiking. Things that I would have never done up here. So the the change is good. But at the same time, I would say, um, I, I want to say 2008 was when uh, Barack Obama was elected mm-hmm. president. Um, that, during election time, was very, very um, traumatizing. Why? <laughs> it was traumatizing because I was I was living in Roanoke at the time and um when it was time for me to cast my vote, if I was not voting for John McCain, I you know, I had to remove myself from that area. You're not you if you're not voting for him, then you can't be in this part of town. You need to go uptown where you can vote for Barack Obama. And it was just I don't know, it felt cold. And then, you know, everybody else is for John McCain. And here I am, like, Barack Obama, I'm for him. And, you know, it was just it was just weird. The vibe was weird. And the day when he actually won, I woke up feeling amazing. But the town felt so cold, you know? It felt it felt weird. But um, I, I guess that's a point in my life that I'll never forget. And it just felt good coming back home. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody at home is for the person that I'm for, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> like, having that comfort zone. I can only imagine, like, yeah. being in a town like that. Like, okay, well, I don't know if y'all racist or not. Right. Or... I don't know if you guys really like me or if you... I don't know. It's like a scary feeling, like... And then another thing, too, with Virginia, certain areas, um, you know, they, you're allowed to have guns, pretty much, and certain areas where if you were to step foot on someone else's property, like, they can easily gun you down. You know, so that was just, like, different for me. It was like, wait, wait a minute, you know? Oh. If if I made a wrong turn and I just so happened need, you know, if I just so happened needed to do a, a U-turn, if I just kind of, you know, you know, did a U-turn in your backyard or whatever, would you gun me? You know, stuff like that. It was just scary. I'm like, oh, my God, guns. And that was scary back at home because we would hear people get gunned down all the time. But to know that you can just shoot somebody just for walking past your property or, or you know, like just for your grass something. Like yeah, touching your grass, something so simple as that. It, that was just crazy, scary for me. And so I would just make sure that... um. I would go to school and just come straight home. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> go to school, come straight home. I didn't do a lot of partying out there. Um, you know, I, I was just I was just focused. School, come home, be around the family, and that was it. That was my life in Virginia. So, <laughs> right. song number two. Song number two. Um, I want to go with August Alsina, Benediction. Um, it's something about that song. Like, I just love it so much. I feel like he was just speaking to me in every sense of the word. And I know our stories are different, but, you know, just going to bed, praying, you know, hoping to live the good life in whatever way, you know, we want that to be. But, um, you know, people telling you not to do this or focus on a nine to five. Why? Why are you focused on this dream? You've been doing this for five years. It's not taking you anywhere. 
um, give up or, or just crying late at night, you know, praying and asking God, like, are you really listening to what I'm saying, God? I really can't take it anymore. You know, so hearing the words in that, you know, in his um, in that song just resonated with me. And it just felt like, OK, he's singing about stuff that I'm going through and it's relatable. And he made it out the hood. You know, things are going well for him, and that's and his motivation story was for me. Crazy. And his story was crazy. You know, he's one of I love I love his story, and I love how um, transparent um, he is, and how vulnerable he is um, when it comes to expressing that. Because we need to hear stuff like that. You know, it's not just the good life. You know, some people have sacrificed years to get to where they're at now, and um, you know they've had to overcome obstacles and hardships, stuff that the average person go through every day, you know, but we're so blindsided by social media and I guess the money and the the clothes and stuff. We forget that they're humans too. So yeah, I love that song so much. I could play it over. Like sometimes I have it on repeat and just let it just rock for hours. (laughs) So how do you battle the people that like are telling you like, maybe you shouldn't do this. Like, are you sure this should be your dream? Like, um, I think for me, I think the hardest is hearing it from your mom. Like my mom. It definitely is. is. It's the hardest. (laughs) You know, hearing it from everybody else is like, Like, well, you're not in my shoes, so you don't understand the love that I have for what I do. But, Hearing it from my mom sometimes, it discourages me a lot because she's the one person that I want to believe in me and believe in what I'm doing. And to hear her say sometimes, you know, like you've been wasting your time. What is this blog you're start you're starting? And with Lady Saab, we've done so much. We've raised money for children in Haiti. We've um, given, you know, we've done a lot of fundraisers, a lot of charity events. We've had fashion shows. We've had luncheons to empower women. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of positive stuff and she's just like girl but where's the money <laughs> can you help me out of this loophole that I'm in right now no then you better go and be a nurse or you know why is that the go to for all black parents yeah go be a nurse go be a nurse or like you, know? you could have did this and it's been a nurse part time to send the other like just be a nurse like just that's the go to I feel like for all black moms right and I'm just like but that's not what I, I tried it and I really did my, my mom said you know try it out and I did took my clinicals and realized that I can't take I can't take the smell of blood like this is not for me I'm not happy I would not eat you know I lost so much weight at the time so this is what I want to do and I just need for you to just trust me I know it's hard you know um it's hard being in this industry because the pay is not always good and a if lot of times paid. if you get paid and a lot of times you have to really pay your dues and put in the work and sometimes it's free you you, you have to prove yourself especially in this industry. And so it takes a lot because now you're um, relying on others to help you get by sometimes. I hit my mom up. I can't, you know, please leave that $20 for me. I'm coming to pick it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because and making that $20 stretch for the week, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, after a while, it's like, all right, you've been, you've been asking me for money every day now. When are your, you know, when yeah. are you going to finally make some money? Marie, you have a degree. When are you going to put it to use? And, you know, mom, mom, if you're listening, I just need for you to trust me. Hang on. <laughs> You know, I believe that God is going to make a way for me. And I know that one day 
you know, um, I'll be able to support you just as much as you supported me. Those conversations are the worst. Because, yeah. like, I really need my mom to help. It's like one of those, you really need your mom to help you out. Yeah. But it's like, dang, if I call her, you already know what's going to come along yeah. with it. That the whole, whole spill, spill. Before she leaves the 20 bucks. And the entire <laughs> conversation, this and the other. And it's just like... And in fact, your mind, you get it. They want you to be fine, like, because they know they're not here forever and they can't always hold you down. Right. Like, that's their fear of you not being okay when they leave. Right. It's like, you get it, but it's like, I mean, but still, like, I know, like. And, you know, what I'm realizing, too, is that she just wants the best for me. You know, she wants to see me be successful and be able to provide for myself just in case if something were to happen, God forbid, you know, she, she'll... She'll know you're fine. Right. Leave this earth knowing that I'm, I'm good, you know, and I have to remind myself about that. And even on my drive here, she was driving me off at North Penn Station. And she was like, Maru, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> I'm like, Mom, please. I, I woke think- up today feeling good. Let's just ride this positive wave. Yeah, I think I had that conversation with my mom three times a month. <laughs> like, when are you going to get a real job? Right. It's like, yo, just understand. Right. And it's like, they're from a... They they grew up differently right. and like they up until well the millennial areas like life was different. So right. it's like they don't fully understand like how hard it is right now. Yeah, it's it's very hard. You know, we're in a time at the day and age where you can't really work for free. You know, you have to, but you can't in you can't the way really because to. you have your student loan. You know, and and, and uh, when you talk about this whole millennial talk, you know, sometimes the adults they feel like we're. Um, we complain a lot um, and that we don't know how to survive. And it's just, it's just, it's really hard. It really is hard. Having to pay bills, you know, things are a lot different. You cannot, you need money to survive in this world. And I think that's the whole thing is like, they feel like we're always complaining or we always want to get paid. And the honesty Honestly, all it is is like, no, we just want to be able to live. Right. That's it. Just Just live. live. Because like we're doing all this and we can't even afford to live. Right. You know, you don't know when you're going to have your next meal. If this is serious. This is real. And, um, you know, we were brought up in a way, too, to follow your dreams that you can be anything that you want to be. You know, and then when you're trying to tap into all that, all that, you know, goes out the window. Be what you want to be. No, be a nurse. <laughs> that pays the bill. No, be a doctor. Okay, that pays the bill. Get a, get a full time job, nine to five. Right. Like, you don't have to love it, but it pays your bills. It pays your bills, and that you should be content with that. And it's like, as millennials, we want more. We want that um, fulfillment. You know, we want to wake up doing what it is that we love, making money, being happy. That's it. Is that too much to ask for? <laughs> Are we asking for too much? I don't think so. I don't think we're asking for too much at all. So. Parents, please just bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> Song number one. Song number one. Um, I haven't heard that song in a minute, but um, every time I hear it, though, it's like it's it's everything. Ti, no matter what. Um, no matter what, no matter the the hard times, no matter um, the obstacles, no matter the transition, the new chapter in life, I'm going to follow my dreams live in my purpose and um, be who it is that I'm destined to be, be who it is that God's placed me on this earth to be, no matter what anybody say. So the songs, the words in this song is um, very powerful 
And um, it should be a mantra <laughs> for a lot of people, including myself, um, to just never give up and stand tall um, and fight through adversity, fight through um, the hard times and believe that um, it'll be worth it at the end. So, so what yeah. are the lessons you've learned along your journey? Um, the lessons I've learned throughout this journey... Um, is to uh, live life without fear. Um, that's one of them because, oh my God, fear and doubt will put you, will put you in a place, um, <laughs> this sunken place <laughs> that you just can't get out of, you know? Um, and next thing you know, life is just passing you by and you, you're afraid to just, just give it a try. Um, a lot of us were afraid of failure and um, just trying again because we want to get it right the first time. Um, and what I'm realizing is that it's okay. We all make mistakes. Everybody will tell you, Diddy, all the big um, influencers that we, you know, that we look up to, they've all made mistakes. They've all, you know, had that uh, trial and error moment. And um, their mistakes have helped them, you know, and help them in, in a lot of ways. And they're they're where they're at now today because of those mistakes. So, um, yeah. Not living life in fear and doubt. Um, never giving up. Um, and then another thing, being a woman, believing that, you know, I'm beautiful no matter what. Um, because we deal with a lot of insecurities. Uh, with my younger sister, I tell her every time, every time I see her, you're beautiful. You know, like I, I want those words to sink in and regardless of what her friends may say or you know, her classmates or her peers, that she needs to believe that she's beautiful and resilient and um, that your flaws make you perfectly unique, make you perfectly who you are. You know, you got stretch marks, you got big thighs like me. I struggle with my <laughs> my thighs sometimes. They're huge. But I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to work it in my dresses <laughs> and just make it work for, for, for me, you know? So it's just, it's a process. I'm still learning uni. I'm still, I'm still learning and applying different things in my life as I'm growing to this woman that I'm destined to be. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than battling with insecurities, what are some other obstacles you think women face? Uh, you know, for me, I want to say um, social media, like just trying to fit in um, and not taking the moment to realize that um, you are who you are and you don't have to look like the next girl to fit in. Embrace your curly hair, embrace your straight hair, embrace your cheekbones, your eyes, your nose. Um, because with social media, they, they, society paints us out. Like they already have a way that we should look. And if we don't look that like that, then we don't fit in. We're not considered beautiful. Um, um, we're not considered the ideal women that I guess men want to be with. <laughs> so we do all these changes to ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with changes, you know, but... Sometimes we do them for the wrong reasons, you know? And I think that's women, we battle with believing that we were beautiful and believing that we are enough, you know? So we do, we rely on other things to cover up what it is that we're actually feeling. We rely on the makeup. We rely on the weaves and the nails and the clothes that we wear um, just to 
get that guy to say, hey, you know, I'll take you out, you know, <laughs> or just to fit in or um, or take your career to the next level. You know, we, we don't need to do that. We're enough. We're queens. We're beautiful. Um, and we just have to believe that we are. I think that's one of the biggest challenges because I feel like once we get over, once we get past that, everything else is a breeze. I'm beautiful. That means I'm confident. My self-esteem is where it needs to be. <laughs> that means you can't tell me nothing. That's it. So if we believe that we're beautiful and we have the confidence and the self-esteem, um, when you walk in a room, it'll, it'll exude. Like, you know, people would automatically, yo, whoa, Yumi, I like that girl. She, I want to be like her. <laughs> she walked in and she owned who she is. And I feel like, you know, if, we're, if we get there, everything else will be, that's it. <laughs> we'll be able to take over the world pretty much. That We're already doing that, but it'll just be easier. <laughs> and on that note, uh, it's time for that Dear Black Girl open letter. So I was thinking about this on my train here. Um, dear Black Girl, you're beautiful. You're resilient. And I want you to know that everyone here on this earth was placed here for a reason. And you have to ask God or, you know, whatever higher power that you believe in to use you. Because sometimes your purpose is bigger than what you ever imagined it to be. You know, you might think, hey, you know, I was placed here to be a nurse or a doctor. And now you have this charity where, you know, you're catering to patients all over the world. And now this dream that you once had is bigger than you ever imagined. So, Black Girl, I want you to dream big. Embrace your flaws, all of it. Because believe it or not, your flaws make you unique in every special way disregard the naysayers and believe that you're destined for greatness. Signed, your girl, Marie David.